0: Good evening. This is Peter Hammond in the studio for Africa Christian Action, Salt and Light on Radio Tigerberg. And today we have Dr. Bradley Mattis of the Life Issues Institute of the United States of America with us in the studio. Welcome here, Brad.
1: Thank you, Dr. Hammond. It's really great to be with you, especially in such a beautiful city as Cape Town.
0: Well, we're very proud of Cape Town, the mother city. Uh, We met at the National Alliance for Life, so Dr. Brad Mattis was here Particularly to speak at the National Alliance for Life and participate in the March for Life in Durban, uh, but is now visiting Cape Town. So welcome. You've been to Cape Town before, I presume.
1: Yes. Uh, this is my fourth visit to South Africa, and I believe that Cape Town was part of each visit.
0: Excellent. Well, we must get you up Ted Mountain one of these days.
1: I think that's on the schedule for tomorrow. Absolutely. And that'll be a return trip for me, but I brought my wife along, so that'll be the first time she'll see it.
0: Excellent. Well, Dr. Mattis, um, you represent, you the president of Life Issues Institute. Could you tell us something about Life Issues Institute, what you do?
1: Certainly. Uh, we provide educational resources, pro-life educational resources for the public at large and for the pro-life movement. Um, for uh, the public, we do radio. I do a daily radio commentary Monday through Friday that is on over uh 1,100 radio stations across the country. We reach 18 million people a week with this uh, pro-life educational program. And then uh, we are just kicking off um, this weekend a half-hour weekly program designed for weekend programming uh, that is called uh, Straight Talk on Life Issues, where we'll have a full half-hour like we're doing today ...to talk about issues, uh, life issues. We will be addressing issues as they unfold and take place. And then we will be covering issues, uh, evergreen issues as we call them... ...that are ongoing issues and discussions that um, we can have most any time on the abortion issue. Well, you must have had some significant success over the years... ...because
0: just last year you achieved what many people said was not possible... You saw the reversal of the Roe v. Wade decision in America, which now throws the decisions back to the local states and uh, takes away the federal mandate of being able to say no body can have pro-life legislation anywhere in the country. So now it's up to each individual state. So that was obviously... a monumental success for education on the ground first and foremost.
1: Oh, absolutely. And pro-life education is the foundation that undergirds the entire movement. It's the foundation on which you build political and legislative victories. Now, we are totally in support of political and legislative activity. We concentrate on the educational aspects to help those who are working in the other fields. Now, some people here may have had the
0: chance to see the film Roe v. Wade. We actually screened it here at uh, our mission at Africa Connection uh, when it came out last year. Uh, what did you think of that film in terms of accuracy? That the Roe v. Wade film was basically saying that everything at uh, 1973 was built on lies, lies, and more lies.
1: Well, uh, Roe v. Wade was built on lies. Um, and those, part of those who were participating in those lies, Um, admitted that they were lying. They said to the media that 5,000 women die from illegal abortions every year, and that wasn't true at all. The Centers for Disease Control, part of the government of the United States of America, said the year before Roe was legalized, 39 women died from illegal abortion. So it has constantly been built on lie after lie after lie. And... um, Finally, uh, we have made the breakthrough that many people told us was never possible, and that's to reverse the lie of Roe v. Wade. Um, One of the things many people don't realize is that Roe legalized abortion for any reason until birth. Um, A companion case, Doe v. Bolton, was very clear to define health of the mother for abortion, not like you or I would think of it but as uh, emotional health, income health, uh, a you fact, could, you could drive a truck of buses through this. I mean that's right right. Wide open. I often say, very something very similar, that it's a loophole big enough to drive a truck through. and mm. they did. And as a result, uh, 63 million babies died on the so-called altar of choice. And uh, now that that has gone by the wayside and has been reversed, A majority of the Supreme Court accurately said that abortion is not even mentioned in the Constitution, it is not hinted in the Constitution, and it turned over to the states the power to protect their unborn children. Now, about 25 states have passed laws that entirely or almost entirely end abortion and protect the babies and their mothers from this brutal killing. Um, there are some where states where uh, legal uh, legislation has is tied up in the courts, as the courts determine who has the authority or uh, discussion of whether they're constitutional or not, constitutional or not. And then there are several states, unfortunately, that have seemed to uh, compete with one another to see who can uh, legalize the most abortions, and they have gone. Uh, to allowing abortion until birth and even beyond for infanticide for babies that survive late-term abortions. And that happens much more often than the average American understands.
0: Again, some people in South Africa may have seen the film Gosnell, which we also screened here to make people aware of it, based on that story of the actual America's most prolific serial killer, as it's been described, Here's a late-term abortionist who wasn't that good, so he preferred to have the babies born alive, and then he snipped their spinal cords with scissors once they were born and let them die on the operating table. Now, Gosnell's case where he got successfully prosecuted because, of course, killing a baby after birth was against the law in in New York State. But apparently New York, after that passed a bill making it legal that you could have post-abortion legalized and... Didn't they cheer and clap and applaud in the house when they passed it through?
1: Yes. Well, first of all, Gosnell was in Philadelphia in Pennsylvania. Sorry. Uh, so that's that's where that took place. And you described to a T exactly what he did. He was a hack abortionist who couldn't uh, didn't have the talent to kill the babies in the womb and then deliver them dead. So he killed them after they exited the womb. At one time, he told an assistant... Uh, he was laughing at the, the size of the baby boy laying there. He says, I could have walked this one to the bus stop. Uh, that baby was so large and fully developed, uh, almost completely full term. Now, as far as New York goes, that is a, a topic I'm glad you're bringing that up because, yes, they passed legislation allowing uh, abortion until birth for any reason. They lit up the Empire State Building, a famous building in New York City, all in pink. And when the governor signed the legislation, um, brutally killing unborn babies of any age, there was a a cheer and delight and laughter that came from the room. And um, that was shown on social media. And that turned a corner for many Americans. They realized just how extreme, how brutal, how violent uh, the agenda is of those who promote abortion.
0: I found the Gosnell film and case quite effective in that. Even when they were going through it, the uh, the defense were uh, doing cross examination with an abortionist to explain how you know we've got more clinical uh, conditions and we wouldn't have done what uh, Gosnell did. And the defense was pointed out, but is there any difference between what you're doing and what he is doing? And that point is made quite well that, you know, whether you kill the baby in the womb or just outside the womb, uh, a few minutes after birth or before isn't effectively the same thing. And uh, in that case, the defense for Gosnell made a very strong case on exposing this very self-righteous uh, Planned Parenthood person who's explained that our standards are so much higher.
1: Yes, we we do the killing, we brutalize the babies, but we just do it in a less gruesome way and we do it inside the womb in a gruesome way as if that made it any better, more ethical as you so eloquently pointed out. And yes, it exposed the abortion industry for what it was. The book that came out, the film was spot on. I read all of the the court documents um, that were involved with that and... um, It very accurately portrays that story. And if you have not heard that story, I encourage you to get your hands on the film or stream it online and really get a a knowledge of just how far the abortion industry goes in America. I mean,
0: that seems to pull the curtain back to look at what abortion is. Yes,
1: yes. That's what
0: makes Gosnell very effective. Now, how effective would you say these films are, like Unplanned and so on, in having helped to improve public consciousness because people are very visual and our society seems to be um, less motivated by facts and feelings and that you have to get to the motion. As you are involved in education, how helpful do you think films like that are?
1: Oh, Unplanned was immeasurably uh, helpful and effective because what it did is it drew in people who were curious about the abortion issue, those who hadn't really decided, those who were pro-abortion but wanted to know more. And many people went into those theaters pro-abortion and came out uh, either pro-life or seriously questioning their stand on abortion. It it was presented in such a way it did not demonize the staff in an abortion facility, but presented um, them in a way that, in their own twisted way, they thought they were helping women. But as Abby found out when she watched an abortion via ultrasound, she realized that it was victimizing both the baby and the mother. Yes,
0: it it was so well presented and not caricaturing the abortionists, but presenting them as real people with um, the same kind of interest and humor that we have. Again, I thought it was very effective showing the pro-lifers outside the gates how they were trying to reach out to and... uh, in a very personable way, um, connect with Abby Johnson and how that helped.
1: Yes. I I spoke to Abby Johnson weeks after she left the abortion industry, and we interviewed her for a weekly TV program we were doing at the time. And she said the, the soft, gentle sidewalk counseling, the prayers people, seeing people kneeling in prayer did more to dissuade women from having an abortion than the noisy si- signs that um, others, that some of the pro-lifers do. They, they mean well, but they have to understand and they have to listen to those who come out of the abortion industry yes. that it's the soft, prayerful, kind people that really do damage to the abortion industry and really affect the bottom line, uh the money that comes in from that killing industry.
0: As they said that when there were pro lifers on sidewalk, how the no shows massively increased.
1: Yes, people absolutely. A,
0: people who had an appointment but then obviously turned back at the last minute.
1: As high as seventy five percent of the women didn't show up. You know, I'll and yet many of us on the sidewalks
0: wonder if we're doing any good. Uh, week by week, and so that's so encouraging when you can see, oh, there's an insider telling you, no, it did have an effect.
1: Oh, absolutely, and don't judge what you see as a measure of your success. Leave that to the Lord because he is doing so much behind the scenes. Women instinctively, in their heart of hearts, know that killing their unborn child is wrong, and many have said, many, many women have said, I was just looking for An answer, someone, a message to tell me that what I was doing was wrong. And many said when they saw people praying on the sidewalk, they realized, no, this is not a place of life and freedom and empowerment. It's a place of death.
0: Now, one of the scenes in the unplanned film that's that's quite gripping is when Abby Johnson relates when she took the abortion pill, the uh, uh, the chemical abortion which is meant to be this easy do-it-yourself-at-home thing which she felt was more private and the way it was built it was going to be a gentle emptying of the uterus and and she went through such agony and this is depicted so powerfully uh, that in fact the chemical abortions which I believe are now the biggest threat as so many people are turning that way. Can you tell us why uh, chemical abortions are not a good idea and why a person is thinking this is a nice private way of doing it that this is you know get the tablets and this is going to solve the problem and the problem is going to go away What what is wrong with the chemical abortions and why should a person not want to try it
1: that's a good question Dr. Hammond and first of all I'd like to say that the way that they depicted Abby Johnson's chemical abortion in the film was exactly as she described it to me shortly after becoming pro-life and um, Many women have said that they were told the chemical abortion was a more natural, almost painless uh, procedure, and that it would be over and that they wouldn't think about it again. Now, the the problem with that is they're given the pill, the abortionist is they turn the mother into the abortionist because she takes the pill herself, and she can't blame anybody but herself for that abortion, whereas a surgical abortion, she can often uh, determine, well, that was done to me. She did this to herself. Secondly, she is, she is left to do this on her own in her home, and so she has turned her bathroom and likely bedroom into an abortion facility and the goriness the pain that far exceeds what they were told uh, makes a a dramatic scarring in her mind but you know the worst part of this is that she was told it's not a baby it's a massive tissue that you'll pass she most women pass their babies in the toilet They see them, many pick them up and look at them, and they see the fingers, the toes, the eyes, the ears, the nose, and they realize they have been lied to on the most massive scale possible, that it is indeed a baby. They were lied to so that the abortion facility can make money selling them death. And that is something combined with the fact that she is the abortionist. It happens in her own home. And every time she goes into her home, she goes into these rooms that remind her of the bloody and painful ordeal she went through, killing her own child, and it makes a a, a difficult situation, almost nearly impossible. And that's our message, though, Dr. Hammond, has to be to these women, but that the grace of God covers every sin, including the sin of abortion. And to those women who have chosen abortion, there is hope and healing through the blood of Christ. If you call out to this radio station, they will be able to get you that support. And women who are contemplating taking this pill, Don't be deceived. Don't believe the lies that you've been told. Flesh those pills down the toilet. Call this radio station. They will put you in touch with a pregnancy center or somebody who can provide help, not just through your pregnancy but beyond because Mm -hmm. don't believe the lie that's been told that pro-lifers only care about your unborn baby. They care about you, and they care about both of you well after that child is delivered and doctors for life has a
0: 24-hour helpline helping people even helping people reverse who've taken the first set of those tablets how they can reverse the procedure which in most cases is successful
1: oh that's a good point i'm so glad you brought that up because abortion pill reversal is a real thing and it's it's in america it's about 68 percent effective the thing is, is, if you take that first pill and you regret it and change your mind, you can likely save your unborn child. You reach out to doctors for life. They will see, put you in touch with a doctor who can provide medication, but time is of the essence. So, if you're in that situation, you must reach out immediately, yes. and uh, the other side doesn't want you to know that because that, that puts a dent in their bottom line of making money, mm-hmm. but... We are there for you. Doctors for Life are there. If you change your mind, it's very possible you can save your baby.
0: And Doctors for Life can put one touch with um, unread mothers' homes and adoption agencies and a whole lot of practical care. And those who want to keep their baby, also those who will come and help with uh, what is needed, many baby paraphernalia and other things needed to. for people who feel they can't afford to keep their child. We know even local congregations who help out practically. So Africa Christian Action, Doctors for Life, Radio Tiger Book can all help you on that. So uh, you uh, haven't finished your uh, explanation about the problems with the chemical abortions. One of the things that comes to mind when you mentioned the woman now sees her um, fully formed baby that she's just aborted, how do they dispose of the bodies then?
1: Well, see, that's the problem, and I've asked a couple women interviewing them about this abortion procedure. If you want to watch those interviews, you can see them at lifeissues.org, lifeissues.org, and just go to the chemical abortion page. Um, some of the women that I talked to simply flush their babies down the toilet, and then they have to live with that memory that that's how they buried their child, um, doctor. Christina Francis, who heads up a pro-life group of OBGYNs in America, said that at her practice they are getting many calls from desperate women, uh, despondent women, who realize they've, they've aborted their baby and now they don't know what to do with their child's body. And they're asking them, what do we do with the baby's body? And uh, that has become a very serious issue in America. And how would Planned Parenthood answer that query if one of the customers contacts it? Planned Parenthood tells them to flush it down the toilet. Pure and simple, they treat the baby as nothing uh, but uh, human excrement that you would flush down a toilet anyway. Mm. And that's their answer because uh, to them it's not a baby. Now we've heard that
0: Planned Parenthood's also done some selling baby pots. Is that true?
1: Oh, absolutely. There is well-founded doc, documented evidence to show that people from Planned Parenthood are selling uh, body parts to laboratories and middlemen who want to do research on uh, various uh, conditions. and. It takes us back to the days of of Hitler and exam in experimenting on on human beings, Jews and others, in the concentration camps. This is history repeating. And um, it sounds like going back to cannibalism too, to a degree. Aren't there some pharmaceutical companies that are making use of
0: some of the collagen and uh, elements from preborn babies? into even some cosmetics and so on.
1: Well, there might have been some that tried that, but the re- the reality of that situation is is that the cost would far outweigh what they could charge for for that cosmetic. So, while that was a widely uh, discussed possibility in reality, it really wasn't happening. So
0: any economics not yeah. Ethics change Oh, the no, it's,
1: the ethics have nothing to do with it. But it is the economics which mm-hmm. drives the thing. If we could take the money out of an abortion industry, mm-hmm. then we could end abortion tomorrow because they would drop it like a hot potato. So, I mean,
0: it's not there because they're trying to empower women. No. Uh, Planned Parenthood is not a not-for-profit organization. Is it a pro- for-profit organization as such?
1: Well, they are technically a non for profit uh, corporation, but uh, their budget is over one point six billion dollars. That's B as in billion, not million, but billion. They are raking in money uh, by uh, getting reimbursement for Medicaid services, and they are are have turned abortion truly into a lucrative industry.
0: No. When it comes to defeating abortion, obviously information is foundational, education, uh, but one needs action from the political and legal side too. So voters have a key role here. And I presume that a lot of your battle in America was won ultimately by getting pro-life candidates and ultimately pro-life presidents who could put pro-life Supreme Court justice into the court. Uh, How important would you say then the political side is thinking now for South Africa too?
1: Well, I think the political side is as crucial as the educational side and as crucial as the um, legislative side. It's like a three-legged stool. And you mu- you t- cut one of those legs off, the stool won't stand. Mm-hmm. So we need all three of them. And, and you need to think of this as a long-term uh, effort. Uh, you can't do it overnight, but you need to recruit pro-life candidates. Those who are not pro-life in name only, who will tell you what, what they think you want to hear. They need to be tried and tested. Uh, you, you, they need to demonstrate by their life and what they've said in the past when they're not running for office, what they feel on abortion. And uh, we need then, you need to be an educated voter. You need to know who those uh, people running for office are that you're going to vote for you need to know before you go into the polling booth where they are on abortion and only vote for people who are pro-life. You know, I often say, um, Dr. Hammond, that I would not vote a dog catcher into office unless I knew he or she was pro-life. And there's a good reason for that because each political candidate climbs their political ladder of success to the best of their ability. And we saw uh, Barack Obama go from a community organizer to state senator, to US senator, to president of the United States. He climbed that ladder very quickly. But he wasn't pro-life, was he? No, he was very Mm pro-abortion. As a matter of fact, he, he supported partial birth abortion and infanticide for babies who survived abortion. But what we have to do is knock them off that first rung of the ladder when they first run for office We have to vote them out of office and uh, vote in pro-life candidates. And even those who are on school boards or other uh, community boards, then they will likely then want to go on to another higher office. And that's where each rung that they get to, it's more difficult to knock them off that ladder, politically speaking, not physically speaking. (laughs) So that's why it's so important to never support a pro-abortion candidate, regardless of whether or not they are going to have anything to do with abortion in office. True. So
0: now, have you had any success in persuading some political candidates uh, to change their position on abortion?
1: Oh, we absolutely have. And there's one high-profile story I can tell you about, and that's when Ronald Reagan was the... the um, a candidate for the Republican Party and he chose George HW Bush to be his running mate we were very disappointed because George Bush was pro-abortion so my colleague Dr. Wookie ran over to the convention headquarters asked to see Mr. Bush and uh, asked him uh, for time to give him a briefing on abortion and he thought maybe 20 minutes an hour So he said, sure, how much time do you need? And Jack said, I need four hours. And he, after he picked up his jaw off the table there, he said, four hours, he said, listen, we need to have um, Ronald Reagan in the White House because he's pro-life. We need to tell our people that you dedicated four hours to be thoroughly briefed on the issue of abortion, that you consider abortion that important that you did that. So he agreed. Jack went to his personal residence in Kennebunkport, Maine, showed him slides of what uh, an unborn baby looked like, showed him slides of what abortion does to those babies, and then talked about the physical and emotional ramifications of what abortion does to women. And after the presentation, then Dr. Wilkie said, now I'd like to hear what your stand is on abortion. And the, the soon-to-be vice president said, chuckled and he said, you had me. He said, I wasn't there, but I am now. He says, I will support a, a human life amendment to the Constitution. And he was a faithful pro-life vice president during the Reagan years. And when he was president of the United States, he signed every pro-life bill. We got to his desk, and he vetoed every pro-abortion bill that we asked him to veto. So one person can make a difference, and we can change hearts by showing them, you know, being reasonable, calm, showing them the scientific medical facts surrounding abortion. Uh, we, have, we have medicine and history, and we have science on our side. They have nothing. And so when we present that, we can change hearts. The scripture
0: says more people are destroyed from lack of knowledge, so knowledge is key. Dr. Bradley Mattis, can you tell us how people can contact you, how they can learn more uh, where your website is?
1: Certainly, we're about to launch a brand new website. It's called lifeissues.org, lifeissues.org. We have over 5,000 pages of pro-life information from fertilization to natural death and everything in between. It's very intuitive. It'll be easy to find things. But if you can't, you can reach out to us and we'll be able to get the information you need. So your email? The email is info at lifeissues.org. I-N-F-O at lifeissues.org.
0: Thank you so much,
1: Dr. Mattis,
0: we're grateful for you coming and uh, thank you for what you're doing to fight for life in America.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: God bless and good night, listeners. Same time, next week, same place.